Greetings from Soundography, a crash course in music, one band at a time. I'm Brian Ibbett. And I'm Hambo Wumba. <laughs> I'm glad you saved that for this. That's great. That's very good. Uh, and we have a special guest for this uh, this pre-show here. And that guest is the person that made this episode all possible. One of the two people that made this episode, this uh, yeah, this episode all uh, at all possible. And that is Karsten Brombach. Hello, Karsten. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. Hi, Hammond. And, Very uh, happy to be here. It's great to have you. And we also have to thank uh, Ina for uh, getting this as your gift. This was like a special gift for you. So big thanks yeah. to her for knowing your love of uh, Chumbawamba and uh, and getting uh, getting this gift for you. Yeah, definitely. I'm very grateful to her for that. Well, let's get into it. Kind of already spoiled the surprise. The um, the artist that we're covering this week is Chumbawamba. Favorite uh, favorite band, Karsten? Yes, definitely. One of my longtime favorites, even though they have been out of business for over a decade now, sadly. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, 2012, I guess, is when they they uh, stopped performing as Chumbawamba. But they leave the, you know, as we discovered, they left the door open for themselves to come back at any time to to be whatever they want to use the name Chumbawamba for. What, uh, at, at what point in their their library did you discover them did you were you like a, a person who found them through tub thumping did you know about them before a bit before that i think okay. the first song i got on my radar was was time bomb of anarchy okay and then i had anarchy on i think on recorded tape back in the okay. day uh-huh. to be honest <laughs> um, and then bought it on on cd later and then kind of stuck back into older stuff of their catalog retroactively, retrospectively. But I think Time Mob was the first one, the first song I knew of them. Mm-hmm. And by the time Top Thumping came out and everybody was talking about that one song, yeah, I at least was already at a stage where I thought, no, there's so much more than that one song <laughs> to that band. You- you get to be that person that we all know that that says, "Oh no, you guys are just discovering this band. I've known about them forever." And and uh, yeah, but but not. I mean, not as far back as as a lot of other people's. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, Anarchy was like, three years before Tub Thumper or Tub Thumper, and then they. But I mean, they've had stuff. Yeah, but uh, but exactly. But they've been they've been around for five six years already by that point. The the fact that not even Anarchy, I think. Slap when that released on on vinyl, that already was the first sellout to their long term fans. Who thought, what you're not doing this on cassette anymore? What kind of punk are you? You know, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's uh, it's funny because they've had so many different directions, different styles that they've uh, adopted over the years. Depending on at what stage you learn about the band and discover them, you know, you might be. Um, either impressed or disappointed or in, in any case surprised when you hear the different styles you get on things like English rebel songs versus the electronic of tub thumper, even more, you know, they're more, their later stuff. There's a lot of different styles that their music encompasses. And so depending on when you discover the band branching out and getting the different albums, you might be like, Oh, this doesn't sound like the, the Chumbawamba that I like at all. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when, because the first time we'd seen them live was in the early 2000s. So between between WYSIWYG and UN, I think. Okay. So um, towards the end of their electronic phase, but still in that phase. Yeah. And then when um, when the first 
acoustic one came out, Sing Song and a Scrap, and they basically said, oh, "Well, th- this is going to be this is going to be what we'll be doing from now on." Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, th- this is all this is all fair and well, but I wouldn't mind you doing one of the <laughs> popular, more electronic ones again. You know? Yeah. It totally makes sense because yeah, that's you know when you're when one of your favorite bands starts saying, "All right, um, we're kind of done with the music that you loved us for. We're going to switch yeah. gears and start doing something else." On the other hand, that's that's one of the things that I admire about them that they, um, for example, especially after after Top Thumping, is like they could have done Top Thumping knockoffs for the rest of their career and probably right. made a lot more money than they did as it was. But they didn't want to do that. That was not the way that that they wanted things to be, and that's that's one of the things I admire about them. Sure. Yeah. No. That uh, um, that that takes. You know, it's a bold thing for a band to do to not just say, "Listen, we had a hit with this. We've made a ton of money. Can we just keep doing this?" And to to stick to their their morals, their inspirations, and say, "Nope, we've got to." We got to keep producing the music that really made us famous, which, which just about every other thing they've got is socially minded, politically minded. And just that one song, uh, Tub Thumping, is, is just basically a drinking party song, really. Yes, but because ah. um, in a way, even that is about, you know, resilience and not letting life bring you down. You know, even that is kind of socially you know, conscious yeah, yeah exactly. that's true you know that's true um, i guess i always think of it as uh the more you drink the easier it is to get knocked down but you can still get, <laughs> you can still get it's like wiggle wobbles <laughs> yeah right there you go <laughs> you know once you discover the band and you 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 know uh you, you picked them up uh with the anarchy album did you find is did that kind of remain your favorite album of theirs or did you make a new discovery from one of their older albums that became a new favorite or uh curious about how stuff like this evolves with people when they find a band that they love that already has a significant earlier catalog if they say oh my god this album you know anarchy was great but this previous album is totally my jam kind of thing i mean of my all-time favorites i think most of these still are off of anarchy some of the some of the earlier stuff. I mean, the, the first album, um, the the very first one, "Pictures of Starving Children," so records yeah. there, that they're slagging off Life Aid album yeah. at least. Yes. I mean that is that was such a at the time, especially when when basically everybody was in that and 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 everybody was admiring, Get Off and everyone else for, for right. the, what they were doing. That is such an audacious thing to do. It really yeah. is. Yeah. You're, you're all a bunch of self aggrandizing <laughs> whatever, you know? Right. Which is, you know, it's a bold, it's a bold it, move when you're is. taking aim at a charity <laughs> record. But, yeah. but, yeah. you know, their point, their, you know, a lot of their points are valid with, you know, doing it to, to sell their own records, so selling Ultravox albums for mid year, selling Boomtown Rats albums for, yeah. for Geldof. Uh, are you in, in uh, Europe? Are you in America? Where, whereabouts are you? I'm in Germany. In Germany, okay. That's yeah. I kind of I, I assumed based on the accent. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Yeah. Uh, no, no. I'm, I'm I'm German. So a lot of the the social issues that or the political issues that you're seeing here, even you know their slights against the the their prime minister or their the the monarchy and stuff like that. Um, obviously, even though they're not 
written about your country, you still see those things probably a lot more uh, regularly being in Europe than we do here in America. Yeah, and I mean the the uh, the second or third album, Slap, the the opening song of that is about Ulrike Meinhof, the one of the founders of the the left wing terrorist Red mm. Army faction in in Germany in the in the seventies. Oh, um, okay, so, so a lot more. So close their to home. their yeah. radar has been has been pretty. Or I think on the same album, there's a song called Tiananmen about Tiananmen Square. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so that they've been they've been looking beyond their home turf. I think pretty much from the get go. For sure. And in turn, listening to their albums has me and made me look into issues that I probably wouldn't have otherwise, such as the the, the mid eighties minor strike that got them going in the first place, more or less. You know that that fueled a lot of their their initial anger politically, the minor strike and the opposition to to Thatcher. I mean, you know, I was 16, 17, 18 in, in the Thatcher and, and, and Reagan years. Mm-hmm. So my my political interest was pretty much only just forming at that time. Yeah. And yeah. And, and what a great a kind of a great musical direction to help give you some directions to learn about and, and things to study that, uh, yeah, for example, for me, um, there's a track on English rebel songs that, uh, became one of my favorites, uh, this week that was about the Manchester martyrs, if I remember correctly, and, uh, the smashing of the van. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. uh, and, and just in hearing that song is like, Oh, I've got to learn more about this thing. And I, and I went and delved deeper and learned the whole story that that song is based on. And, uh, it's great when, when music, gives you this avenue to learn more about something completely non-music related that they happen to be singing about. I'm 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 curious when you when you looked at the the catalog, did you did you get a get a hold of the Thatcher EP? No, I didn't. Um I, was that but that might have been collected you know the story on something. About it though? No, uh uh-uh. uh no tell us about it. They, they they said back in the back in the early two thousands they said we've recorded an EP which we're going to release, which you can pre-order for, I think, five pounds it was, and which we're going to release and send to you the day that Margaret Thatcher dies. It's okay. In Memoriam Margaret Thatcher. It's got four or six songs. Uh-huh. And it opens, it opens with Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead. <laughs> and Interesting. Okay. Thatcher died in 2013, by which time the band had already officially dissolved. Right. But still... They were true to their word and still... They were true to their word and shipped out DP. Oh, that's fantastic. Did they send it out vinyl or digital or... Uh, how they... CD. CD, it's, okay. It's, All right, so they really did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they did. <laughs> so, they, so at the time, that's when they had all those pressings done when people ordered it, and they just sat on it until... Exactly, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God, that's great. <laughs> but... So many things could have happened between, you know, then and its release that uh, uh, they could have you know, thrown a wrench into the works of, of them actually getting it out to people. Did they, uh, do you feel like they missed an opportunity with, with Brexit? Would they have, would they have had an entire album uh, devoted to, uh, to Brexit? They, they probably, they probably would have, or at least could have. And that's, that's one of the things, to be honest, that because they were so outspoken mm-hmm. and so un, unashamedly political Given that they dissolved in 2012, there's there's a lot of things that that happened since that I would really have liked to hear their take on <laughs> through their music. So oh, yeah. I, yeah. I 
I, yeah, I, I would have, I mean, Boris it Johnson probably would have made me Brexit angry, and, yeah. but I, I would have loved to listen to their anti-Trump and anti-Johnson songs. Oh, gosh, no kidding. <laughs> oh, they, yeah, they could easily have an entire album uh, about Trump. Like, I didn't even think about that. I was, again, still thinking about their their UK roots, but yeah, they wouldn't have, they would not have kept from having the song about uh, another song about American politics. Hammond, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm dominating here. Do you no, know? you're, you're doing just fine. I'm just, I'm just here enjoying the conversation. You guys are going, <laughs> doing great. <laughs> so you mentioned that you've seen them in concert. Yeah, we've, we've seen them twice. Once was, like I said, I think they were touring on, so it was towards the end of the, the electronic phase. Uh-huh. It was in a in a really fairly small and completely overcrowded club back where where Ina and I were studying, and it had like I think three support acts, so they only came on at like eleven thirty p.m. or something. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> uh, but it was it was really something, really an experience. And then the second time around was during was was post '05 with the smaller lineup and the all acoustic. Sets and that was in in Frankfurt, and that was one of the weirdest concert experiences I've ever had because there were only about fifty or sixty people, but it was a, a compared to that a huge venue, and they only had like the the stage was only like maybe half a meter high, and we were oh, really close. It was a really <laughs> intimate setting, and it was a wonderful wonderful concert, but a really strange experience to be. So few people, so close to the band in such a big venue comparatively that, that that will always, I will always remember that as one of the the more unique concert experiences of my life. Sure, yeah. A lesser band might feel surround, like they, you know, that stage, that, that extra uh, benefit of uh, a couple feet of stage riser above the audience yeah. almost feels like a nice barrier between you and the audience but when you're just <laughs> half a meter above where everybody else is standing you almost the lesser band might feel surrounded it might feel a little threatened by that that was really that was really strange but really really cool yeah um that, that much and, more intimate setting that's great yeah and i realized with a lot of delay they started off in, in leeds in yorkshire in northern england i did my semester abroad for for uni in Leeds in 93, 94. Oh, really? Okay. But I didn't know them at the time yet. I'll bet, you, I'll bet so, they had some uh, college campus performances or, or at exactly, least which, local venues that, you know, oh, man. That, that yeah. they might have might have performed in, in the student union and I, and I just may have missed it right. because I didn't know them yet at the time. <laughs> was so it a friend uh, that that uh, introduced you to the the song Time Bomb? Was it somebody? Oh, no, the, Time Bomb did get a bit of airplay on German on German radio at the time. It did. Okay. Um, yeah, I knew yeah. That, that and enough were, were the two singles that got some uh, that hit the charts from Anarchy. So that's how you discovered uh, discovered yeah. that song was was yeah uh, that radio one play. I discovered on the on the radio, and then I got hold of someone taped me the CD or something. That's how I got hold of the rest of the of the songs of of Anarchy. Wow, that's cool. That's um, I love. That's another thing I love hearing is how people discover the bands. You know, whether it's uh, a friend gives you a cassette of like, hey, you got to check these guys out, or hear them on the radio, or uh, bands I've discovered as the opening act of another band, and yeah. and I've followed the opening act more than I do the <laughs> the original band that I went to see. Um, obviously, that all changes, or that that some of those things change with. Uh, radio listenership going down, but more 
um, Spotify recommendations or uh, Apple Music recommendations. Hey, if you like this, then you yeah. also like this. But then you also, you know, Chumbawamba is a is a band that benefits, I think, a little bit from the the full theme of an album as opposed to here's a track, here's another track, here's another track. For example, pictures of starving children sell records. Would that album, would would those songs work as well individually once they're pulled out of the album as, I don't want to call them singles, but as single tracks that Spotify might recommend? Probably not, right? Probably not, yeah. You need to yeah. hear it as a concept album. Also, the, the, um, the, the context of every song, for instance, you pull... Uh, tub thumping out of context, it's just a drinking song. You put it in mm-hmm. context, it's a struggle against the the man knocking you yeah. down. You have to keep fighting. So mm-hmm. those out al- the the songs they write really rely on context of the album to frame them, and not just the single. Because the singles could come off as crass or really just not well done unless they're around in the context of the rest of it. Or- yeah, right. or, or even like the, the the context the context of the time. Um, I, I remember somebody saying on um, the boy bands. I think there's a song called "At Me," mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. like about early social networks and a kind of yeah. And and I remember someone saying like, "Yeah, Nazi kids still living with their mom, trying to get you to add them on the internet." How does that? It was a long time ago, but it. Somehow it has aged not that badly. Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's <laughs> we still have that issue, don't we? We uh, do. Yeah, yeah. It, it's so many of these things do still live on, and and when they talk about uh, criminal justice, homophobia, yeah. for example, the song title "Homophobia." Uh, I wonder if in 1992 or 94, when uh, that album came out, if they thought, well, maybe you know. Maybe this won't be an issue in 15 yeah. years. This won't be such a problem. Yeah, and, uh, I, sadly, <laughs> I, I have a like. We have a tradition, Nina and I, uh, of as like a, a musical Christmas or year end card. I, I usually put together still old fashionedly a mixed CD for that, that, that we give to friends of ours, yeah. and where I basically free associate across the year. In the shape of songs. Oh, that's cool. So less, and, yeah. So less. Uh, here are some of my favorite songs right now, but more like, here was what twenty two twenty twenty two was represented in song form. In yeah, I mean it's 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 a bit of both. I mean, yeah. some of like here's here's the song I like about by a band that I went to see live yeah. last sure. year or whatever. But sure. also also here's what this year was like. I ended up on on the twenty two um, mix through the discussion about the, the 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 Qatar World Cup and all that homophobia mm-hmm. ended up on that twenty twenty two year end mix sure. again. And I, it's like you know it's twenty ninety four yeah, almost, so. almost thirty years old and still <laughs> a lot more current and topical than I would like it to be. Sadly uh, very still very <laughs> poignant. And yeah, yeah, and you could put it on a twenty twenty three thing with the whole uh with what happened here in the US yeah. and Tennessee. And yeah, that's a great idea. Do you do uh do you narrate? Like do you um when you send out those those discs, do you uh, narrate on the disc, or do you just include a, a sheet no. that goes with it to say why you picked each of those songs? Uh, even, not, not even that, to be honest. Okay. It's basically oh, really? like <laughs> I, I, I try to, I, I try to to um, 
like have the cover be a hint. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yep. But in a way, it's like, yeah, the, this is, here's, here's songs that ended up on, on, on this year's year-end list. Make of them what you will. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's something kind of nice about that. Something kind of, because uh, uh, something, they might hear something and think of uh, a different connection than the one that you intended. And yeah. there's nothing at all wrong with that. Why? It's a good point. You don't have yeah. to force them into your connections. And you I mean, so, sometimes it's more obvious than than other you, times. For I mean, sure. Yeah. <laughs> twenty sixteen. I remember that the twenty sixteen one was dominated pretty strongly by all the musicians that died in twenty sixteen. Sure. Know? Interesting. I love it. I love hearing that. That's so cool. All right. Well, as as uh, we wrap up here and get ready for the uh, for the show, uh, is there anything that you know, Hammond and I, of course, have our favorites, and we have our our um, things that we love about Chumbawamba that we that we want to talk about. Is there anything that you want people to look for as they listen to Chumbawamba, or or things that you want them to? Hey, here's a good starting point, or here's a a standout track, or or something like that. Well, one of my one of my favorite is uh, struggling not to confuse. Two songs. Sure, sure. Um, two, two songs. Um, Big Mouth Strikes Again. Oh, yes. yes. Also of Anarchy, if I remember correctly. And um, especially if you see a live performance of that, when uh, Alice Nutter, for that song, she was putting on a nun's habit mm-hmm. and boxing gloves and <laughs> taking a bottle of whiskey. Look at some of their live gigs recorded on YouTube and you'll See what I mean? We'll do, uh, yeah. So they're and, they're much much more into the theatrics. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which makes it's, sense because their songs are very theatrical. They're very, they do have a a lot of performance value that you visualize when you're hearing the song. Yeah. So I can, I can see so, so so that's that's one I really like for the for the agate prop feminism for one of a better word. Um, yeah. Performs in there. Another one of my all time favorites is. Homophobia, just because it's so poignant, especially in the mm-hmm. in the acoustic, almost a cappella version, it, it just hits me every single time that I that I listen to it. Then one that I that that I think exemplifies the, I'm I'm I mean I'm tempted to say insidiousness. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not inappropriate. It's, it's yeah, <laughs> um, is torching James Hatfield. <laughs> Yes, uh, I'm, I'm. I'm guessing when you go through the albums, you're going to have to say something about that. As a matter of fact, we, two we, of the songs you yeah. just mentioned happen to end up on my playlist on okay. my <laughs> on my favorite song list. So, uh, um, very good. Yeah, so I'm, I'm. I'm really curious to to see where you end up on them. All in all, I and, uh, definitely yeah. have to find a video of Big Mouth Strikes Again, a live performance, because yeah. knowing the lyrics yes. that Alice sings. Uh, in that song, picturing her in a nun's habit with boxing gloves and a bottle of whiskey sounds absolutely there, hilarious. There's actually, if you if you have an hour and a half or two hours to spare, yeah. um, I recorded their their farewell concert in December 2012. Um, that they, they also published it on. I have it on on DVD. It's called Going Going, mm-hmm. um, but it's also on on YouTube. The full performance, and they oh, had like. The, the the four members who who dropped out in in 05, Alice among them, they all came back for parts of that final 
of that final uh, concert, that final gig. Oh, that's uh, cool. And that's because also it has those the, the old classics like like that one, but it also has the the acoustic stuff. It has a wonderful version of Bella Ciao, um, mm. for example. Um, so yeah, if you look that up on YouTube and and put in the two hours, it's it's well worth it. I can. I, I can Fully recommend it. I will definitely do that. Yeah. Being a fan of a recent show called Money Heist, hearing Bella Chow gave me such a big <laughs> smile. Uh, I, still, I still need to watch that, but um, it's it's on my list. I've heard it is, about it. That song plays such a big part in that in that series. And there's, you know, it's not short. I think it's five seasons of, of uh, Money Heist, but Bella Chow is a very important song to that whole that whole series. So okay. I look, look forward to you, uh, <laughs> to you putting in the time <laughs> way more than two hours to, uh, to, well, to let me know what you think of that. Depending on how the strike goes, um, we might get oh. more time to catch up on all the older stuff than we, for sure. than we thought. Yeah, no kidding. Excellent. Well, Karsten, thank you so much for, thank uh, you. for your time. It's, thank you so much for your support thank of the you show. Very much. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Belated happy I'm, birthday. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> this was a birthday present, right? <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, thanks again. Uh, do you want? Uh, do you have a, uh, any social media accounts you want people to to check you out and and follow you or anything like um, that? No, I'm I'm only on on Facebook, and that's not really me being active. That's just being staying connected with friends and smart man following up. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I've I've resisted the so far. I've resisted the urge to. Uh, to broadcast any wider than yeah, that, thanks. It's a double-edged sword, so I don't blame you for it, and I think it's, uh, I kind of envy that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, thank, uh, thank you again for us. And, I will. Uh, thank I you, will. Karsten. And, uh, thank you, and I'm really looking forward to the, to the episode. Great. All right, well, let's jump into that right now. from Soundography, a crash course in music, one band at a time. I'm Brian Ibbett. And I am Hamba Wumba. And as you heard before our uh, this last introduction, this is a sponsored episode. Big thanks to uh, Ina and uh, happy birthday to Karsten. Uh, and good choice on picking Chumbawamba, uh, a band that... Uh, that Neither one of us would know, have chosen otherwise. No, probably not. <laughs> no, because they're not on my radar. I... I, I, this is this is a complete left field pick, and I'm I'm glad that we were given this this uh, this band. For sure, it was a nice task, and um, and prior to this, like you, well, I was I was familiar with the entire Tub Thumper album because I bought it. Maybe I got it as part of a six CDs for a penny Columbia <laughs> House kind of thing, but I do know I got it. And I still have it. Very familiar with all the songs on that album. Strange and, album uh, cover too, by the way. Oh, it is. It's very Weezer esque. It's uh, it looks like uh, you know, these days that would be an AI uh, drawing yeah. that that weird giant baby head thing, um, <laughs> with thirteen fingers on one hand. Exactly, that's exactly how it would look. Yes, exactly, and because the teeth feel very AI to me. Uh, yeah, the band we're talking about, as we mentioned, is Chumbawamba. I'm one of these guys who's like, all right, make sure you spell it right. It's Chumba with a U, Wamba with an A, right there, Chumbawamba. But uh, anyway, that's only my 
pedantic nature that makes me do that. <laughs> Let's get into uh, the history of this band and uh, and we'll start talking about their albums. Uh, Chumawamba was formed in Burnley in 1982. The band was initially made up of Lou Watts, Boff Whaley, and Dan Burt No Bacon. Many of them have been had been in other bands, including a band called Chimp Eats Banana. God, it feels like... I want to rearrange the letters to spell Chumbawamba, but there, there's a very Chumbawamba kind of feel to yes. Chimpeats Banana. Also, yeah. it's just one of those names that when kids come up with band names, mm-hmm. you know, they they try to just string funny words together so they become a, yeah. a, a memorable band name. Like the, the. <laughs> now stop it. Don't be smirched. <laughs> the, the brilliance, if not the lack of foresight that a band name like uh, the, the has in... Uh, There'll never be a search engine that strips out the word the when you're looking for stuff. Anyway, they made their debut on a compilation record called Bullshit Detector 2. Uh, the track was three years later. It was called three years later. Yes, it didn't yes, come yeah. out three years after yeah, the compilation. The, on the, the bullshit the detector figured out it was three years later. Yes. <laughs> later that year, Alice Nutter and Dunstan Bruce joined them. Uh, here's the disclaimer, and I feel like I need to put this in in bands like this is they early, early had, on. Yeah. yeah they've yeah. had a ton of members uh, and mm-hmm. we could do an entire show called Chumba Wumba cast members cast, <laughs> but we don't have that kind of time and we're not going to do that kind of show. So just yeah. know they've got uh, an actual train station of in and outs <laughs> as far as this band is concerned. Revolving door. The, the best, this is one of those bands that I love seeing the graphic on Wikipedia <laughs> That has yes, all the a colors. list of all of the members, yes, and all the stripes. <laughs> and it tells you like, oh, they were at the band from this to this point. What I wish they would do, they've got the years, which is really nice. I wish they would actually, because each of those vertical lines is an album. I mm-hmm. wish there was some way of them putting what album it was that some of these people left. So you don't look and say, oh, they left the band in 2004, maybe looks like June uh, that must have been after the release of yeah. Un or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but even so far as, you know, saying like, all right, Dunstan Bruce joined. He started out on keyboards and now he does keyboards and vocals. And it's kind of cool to see those different mm-hmm. color stripes and how people's roles change within a band, even if they they stay put. Yep. Uh, Alice Nutter, though, uh, always vocals and always... Oh, what the heck color is inside the vocals? Hard to tell. Percussion, maybe? So I will say, I will say this a way up front. I've in, I enjoyed mm-hmm. the songs predominantly where she sang more than where anybody else sang. I it's funny you say that. And I'm glad you mentioned it early on. Um, because I saw it down in your playlist notes. Mm-hmm. I don't find her voice to be very enjoyable. <laughs> okay, so that's interesting because you admittedly yeah are a huge sucker for a female vocal I am, in a pop I am. song. I totally am. And um what I what what gets to me about her voice, there's there's very little range. She stays within a certain octave. Hello, Bernard Bernard Sumner. Well, sure. Yeah. I'll <laughs> I'll give you that he's that he does the same thing. Hers her voice is is kind of nasal. Yeah. And she relies too much like her her vocal crutch is the like the 
the, the diphthong. Starting a half note lower. I, yeah. Is it a diphthong? Oh, that's why it, it, I always. It, it, it's a diphthong or it it's could the be musical a equivalent of a, a slide. Yeah. It's a slide or a diphthong. I mean, basically, yes. if you're going to give it to people in real terms, it's a diphthong, but it's also a vocal slide, but she only goes up like half an octave when she, or half a note when she right. does it. Exactly. And you hear it predominantly if you're only familiar with one Chumbawamba song yeah. so far. You'll be, you know, if you keep listening to this episode, you'll be familiar with a lot of them. But, you know, when she sings, uh, pissing the night away, it's yeah. that nut, like the the finding a note. And it it's such a, <laughs> it's such a crutch that it's like, Oh man, is this going to be, is this going to be led by Alice Nutter? Is she singing the song? Oh, it is. All right. Well, yeah. may not enjoy it. And I guess the reason I like her voice more is because it feels at least like she's singing compared to the other guy. I was going to say there's a melody. (laughs) There's a melody that is, that is uh, discernible. She has a very, and she has a very, uh, if not a multi-octave range, she does have great pitch. Like she does not. You know, that that finding a note thing is not her trying really to find the note. No, it is her characterization of singing. Characterization. It is a yeah, it is a vocal style that she has that uh, she uses a lot, but but she, you know, it's it's very representative of her style. What what and, I'm wondering um, though, do is it bothersome to you because we listen to them in short order and so you were able so. to pick these out? Or was yeah. it something you noticed once upon a time and you now just finally get it be able to get it off your chest? I know it's definitely the former. Because, uh, again, Tub Thumping, I did listen to that album a ton in the 90s, and it never bothered me. And I'd even, I would have even probably said at the time, yeah, ooh, as I hit the microphone, I'm angry. Um, <laughs> I would have even said at the time, oh, I like, uh, you know, I like uh, the songs where she, you know, Amnesia and, uh, uh, and Tub Thumping, et cetera, that I really, you know, like her voice. But I think when you hear, and what is it like? Um, 16 albums. 20, 16 albums, and she's only not on the last two, I believe. It's like hearing somebody, a newscaster or a storyteller that has a, a not lips. a tick, but a, a lip smacking problem. A lip smacking, or less, less, less horrible than that, because I, f- I find that that would be enough to make me stop listening <laughs> to that. But like a, you know, a verbal crutch, like as we know, you know, <laughs> as we like know, third eagle thing, yeah. as we know. We took a tour in New Orleans. We were there last, uh, about a year ago, uh, in spring of uh, 2022. And we took a ghost tour, nighttime, you know, late night, going through the, the French Quarter of New Orleans and stopping at places where horrible things happen and the ghosts of people are still rumored to be, et cetera. And our tour guide, very flamboyant and bombastic and knew, knew how to tell a story, but his vocal crutch was... As we will learn, and it's not, he was using it like it was, you know, he really meant to say, as you'll see, or it didn't even really need to be there. It was so superfluous. Yeah. Because he wouldn't, he wouldn't say, as we will learn, and then go on and tell the story. Right after, as we learn, was the thing we learned, right? So, as we learn, the people here would leave a loaf of bread and a glass of wine for the ghost every night. So, there's an IT guy. There's no more. (laughs) Yeah. There was an IT guy that used to work where I used to work and his big crutch was, uh, that is to say, Oh yeah. And he sick. would be going along. Which again and is stop. the most unnecessary yeah. phrase. Yep. <laughs> and he would stop and go, that is to say, and then he repeat himself, not even rephrase what he had just said, repeat right, himself. Right. I'm like, Oh gosh, 
So we used to have in meetings when he would present and talk, I actually had a tally mark. And we used to Did keep, really we used keep, to keep track, track of, of the, that is to say. And I'm sure, I have no doubt that oh. I've got my own vocal crutch that somebody's going to email me or text me or tweet me or whatever and say, Brian, you know, you have one of these and it's blah, blah, blah. It's uh, fine. I'll take it. I'll own up to it. I, I'm sure I do. And All right, and, then. Oh, I do say that. I usually say that when I'm ready to change gears. It's uh, it's an anti-P crutch. You don't say it here. Oh, it was, yeah, say it was it. just all right. Yeah, all right. It yeah, wasn't all right, right then. Yeah. yeah, it was just all right. All, all right. right. Yep. Well, let's move on. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And it's my way of putting a stake in the ground and then moving forward from that. I needed to find other stakes I could put in the ground. Shut up. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Why are you still Shut talking? Up, Jerry. Let's move on. <laughs> Why are you still talking? <laughs> when I was a kid, my mom would say, "My mom would say, Shut up is rude.' So ask people why. They, why are you still talking? <laughs> that's that's not rude. Also, I like that. <laughs> why are you still talking? That feels so like that. I've used it in public before, and it goes over oh. so well because people are confused because it's a phrase they're not used to hearing. They're used to being I... told, "Be quiet" or "Shut up" or whatever. And so when you say, "Why are you still talking?" It stops wow. them because they're processing the question they've just been asked. Then, then the rudeness sets in. But yeah, it, it is effective at times. I think if you use it in the right way, like you're saying, if you use it in the way of, "Hey, you've explained this to me. Why are you, you've got my yeah, you've got my agreement. Why are you still talking? I've I'm, given you my yes. You can stop now. Yep, I'm, I'm totally to, agreeing with you. Why are you continuing to convince me? Yes, but if you're using it as a "oh, I do wish you'd shut up," <laughs> why are you still talking? Kind of. Thing, I don't. I don't then, recommend saying it to a spouse. Oh yeah, no, that's probably that's probably not good. That's words to live by, yeah. by Hammond, right there. Oh my God, let me tell you about my day. Blah blah blah. blah. Why are you still talking? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a. Uh, and I hope that couch is comfortable. <laughs> is, is basically the way it goes. All right, let's get, all right, let's move on. To, Why are we still talking? Yes, we've moved on. All that about Alice Nutter. They were very involved with the cassette culture of the time and released a number of cassettes. And many of these songs appeared on various compilations. They play benefit shows for animal rights and anti-war groups. And that's just kind of like the the precursor to how socially conscious, this is, this is a socially conscious band, and that's probably an understatement to use that phrase. Well, and it's weird because if you listen, if all you know is I Get Knocked Down Again, which is basically a yeah. Sugar Ray song or uh, a Smash Mouth song, right. Right. they're in those same playlists. And when you the only the only social issues really you've got in that are uh, alcoholics yeah. uh, who can't stand up. So yeah. when you think about that song and then you listen to and you learn about all this other stuff, it's yeah. mind boggling because as I'm doing these notes, I'm yes. writing them down going, how did these guys end up writing that song? Yeah. And how, but it's not a surprise that that became their biggest hit oh, because no. it, it, it is the, Soft gateway, the soft plank <laughs> onto the ship is Chumbawamba. It's the right? jump like around. It, it's the jump around of the Chumbawamba catalog. Sure. <laughs> sure. That's a... <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm trying to think of another example where you've got like a... Um, it's, the, it's the... Even, even Midnight Oil... It's the butterfly yeah. of... No, that's horrible. I can't compare No, because like if Crazy Town, but that's like saying Crazy Town has a bunch of other songs that are really deep. <laughs> Same with Criss Cross. You know, it's not. I'm trying to think if- No, um, actually Midnight Oil is Midnight great. Oil, Midnight Oil is great. They have they had Beds Are Burning, which was the gateway into their politically yeah, motivated that's music. still a very, 
but even that had it was you know it's talking about the the uh, aborigines and yeah but unless uh, you unless you stopped dancing like an airplane in the wind long enough to listen to the lyrics you just thought it was a fun song maybe okay if midnight oil had a song called do the midnight oil dance or or how about this if midnight oil had written peaches <laughs> right there you go exactly <laughs> right or jump around, yeah. or or uh, <laughs> butterfly. Really, like you can throw any, throw any. But that is like Midnight Oil is probably the Australian equivalent of Chumbawamba as far as songs that are very politically focused, very social issues focused. Yep. I was I was trying to compare them because I'm a big Beautiful South fan, and Beautiful South has that similar kind of thing where you've got. Um, a, a, a rotating female vocalist. So she's not speaking a circle. They just had, had a lot of female vocalists that have come and go. And then a couple male vocalists that are steadily throughout the band. And that's kind of what Chumbawamba has as far as like female animal. Alice Nutter being through uh, with the band through a long time. And, um, and I believe Lou Watts is the, he's the voice that you hear singing like this, I think. I yeah. think that's Lou Watts. Yeah. Beautiful South never goes this far into, you'll get a couple things, maybe like a Brexit reference or a um, fat shaming. Perfect 10 is a, is a terrific song that really has a deep meaning about fat shaming. So and would, would you, you get too, the occasional one of those. Would you too mm-hmm. had been a political band once upon a time and then they swung out of it, maybe swung back in a little bit and they're kind of yeah. on a political yeah. pendulum. Great example. Of. Yeah. Yeah. Boy in war. Like they, they were, um, they were big into that. And I would say it was probably a third of their album. The third of each of their albums had something that was more high minded than just a song about a woman named Gloria or um, somebody who, who's rummaging through all their drawers, but they still haven't found what they're looking for. Yeah. Um, It's, it's you two on, on steroids is Chumbawamba, right? Every, I would say it's the, it's, if you two, one third of their albums like that, two thirds, if not more, of Chumbawamba's yeah. albums are those kinds of songs. But it just when you hear the the almost the mindlessness of Tub Thumper, it is surprising. It is such a dichotomy compared to all the rest of their music. Yeah, it does not. One of these things is not like the other. By the mid nineteen eighties, they had started releasing material on vinyl on their own Agit Pop label. The first of these releases was an EP called Revolution, released in 1985. Uh, that initial pressing sold out and was repressed and reached number four on the UK indie charts. They followed that up with their first full-length, 1986's Pictures of Starving Children Sell Records. And if that doesn't just tell you everything you need to know <laughs> about what we're going to get from Chumbawamba, right there. Uh, this album was a critique of Live Aid. The band argued that it was a cosmetic spectacle designed to draw attention away from the political issues that cause world hunger. It's a good thing you didn't pick on stars because then we'd have to fight. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, there's just from the get go, this band has a very disjointed card of the unstoppable sex machine vibe to it. Um, yeah. It's, it's all over. Like it's the, the collage of songs. Each song feels like a very different genre from the last. Their albums are, are a mishmash of 60 second songs and three minute songs. And, uh, Hey, here's a great idea for a, chorus but why build a song around it let's just do the chorus which I think is really cool Come on down with crocodile tears to irrigate this ground make of Ethiopia a fertile paradise where everyone sings Beatles songs and by shares in EMI charity stories in a rock and roll 
Records released an album called, oh my gosh, like Fat Pe- Fat Songs for Fat People or something like that. And it's got yeah. a hundred songs on there and all of them are under, I think, 30 seconds. <laughs> nice. It's a weird album. There was a, there was a good compilation, boy, back in the 80s. It might have even been Rhino Records and it was called Miniatures, but Minute, M-I-N-U-T-E. And each song was exactly 60 seconds long and there were no gaps. So basically, it was an hour-long album made of 60-second songs. Wow. Kind of like um, Ali Spagnola's Power Hour. Yeah. But you had The Residents and you had Frank Zappa and you had all of these, these really avant-garde performers mixed in with more mainstream kind of stuff. And I don't think it was, now that I think about it, I don't think it was Rhino Records, but it was such a cool thing. And I listened to that album straight through so many times that if I were to hear one song, I would know exactly what comes after it. I'd sing, I'd like go right into the next song that came after it because I know those things so well. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's really cool. I might make that, you know what? I better earmark that. I might make that a, you got to listen to this at some point because it is so we're not doing a mid-season. You got to listen. Oh, we we did do a mid-season. I did. Well, we did chess. Oh, we kind of did this yeah. time, but yeah, we'll do we'll do uh, we'll wait till the end of the yeah. season. Okay. I'm going to give uh, give you one of these. 1987, they released. Uh, you know, back to Chumbawamba. Uh, 1987, they released. Never mind the ballots. Here's the rest of your lives. This was released around the time of the British elections, and raised questions about the validity of the British democratic system. I got jokes. think uh, that this politically active group, again, would bring up, I'm going to bring it up again because it's still shocking to me. Yeah. They're going to write the song that loops in hell on the good place. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. It's the song that always plays in the bad place. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You know, I wonder, this would be a great question for the band, but when they wrote that song, was the intent like, you know, none of our heavy stuff ever makes it on the charts because it's so, it's controversial. It takes a stand on a point that some, you know, one half of the country might disagree with. We need a song that is just some party, let's get drunk kind of song. Do you think they wrote that with the intent that, all right, this will be a single, this will be our our foray, foray onto the uh, the uh, billboard charts and might get us in? It might be, but also they might think that has a bigger meaning about being knocked down by the man and you get back up and you're continuing to fight. I mean, there could be something deeper to it that we're just not. Sure. Oh, I see what you're saying. We're locking it into the the Sugar Ray and and, uh, Smash Mouth box, but it it might have more to it. And I'm just a a dumb American listening to it. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, Both of us are. Uh, 1988, they released English Rebel Songs, the first version of this album. Oh, how will you cut him up, said Milda to Malda. Oh, we may not tell you, said Fessel to Falls. This was originally released as English Rebel Songs, uh, 1381 to 1914 and is a collection of traditional songs covered by the band. I kind of really enjoyed this. And they re-released it in the 90s or maybe in the 2000s with a few extra 
a few extra tracks or remastered. Maybe it was even re-recorded. I can't even remember. So to 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 steal a phrase from another show that you do, I could see why you like it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I don't know. There's something about those story songs, those folk songs that I I really dig. During this time, they also started being influenced by techno music, and it was around here that a few folks in the band quit their regular jobs to focus on music. 1990 released Slap, this album with an exclamation point, Slap! This album was a big change in musical direction based on that new techno influence. The album art is by Vladimir Chechikov, and it's called Chinese Girl. So this album contains samples from everyone from El- from Elvis to Philip Philip Glass. That's cool. That's really cool. I didn't even pick up on that. When do we talk about how we felt about this week? Well, now that we're halfway into their catalog, let's talk about it at the end. Okay, sounds good. In 1990, they went on their first tour of the U.S. Interesting that they toured the U.S. before Tub Thumper came out, like seven years before Tub Thumper came out. 1992 saw the release of Shh. The original title of the album was set to be Jesus H. Christ, but because of issues procuring rights to the high number of samples used, it was reworked, retitled, and released. I did a little digging on this. The original track listing, it's hilarious. It makes it look like the album is all cover songs, but but the songs, you know, it might be titled. Let me see if I can pull up the uh, the list because it's hilarious to see these. Uh, let's see. Shush, Jesus H. Christ. Where is it? Yeah, okay. The original track listing was songs like All Right Now, Don't Fence Me In, Silly Love Songs, Get Off My Clouds, Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> And some of those songs would contain a little tiny sample of the of the song it was referenced to, but you know their song "Big Mouth Strikes Again" was not a cover of the Smiths. They actually did keep that one for Shush, even though even though again it still doesn't contain it. But "Stairway to Heaven" is is just a version of the song that they include on Shh called "Happiness." Is just a chant away with different instrumental backing. It's just funny because you look at this thing, you look at this this track list and you're thinking, oh, wow, they, they released a cover album. Fantastic. And sure enough, no, none of it. <laughs> they released that just to spite you, Brian. That's all it was. They really it did. Was a exactly. for Coverville. Yeah, because I'll see, you know, I'll, I'll look at an album, a, a, a track list, I'll see a song called Crazy and I'm thinking, ooh, are they covering Gnarls Barkley or are they covering Patsy um, Klein or Seal? Patsy Klein. Exactly. Nope, it's just a new song called Crazy. Damn it. <laughs> but when you see something called Big Mouth Strikes Again, you've got to feel like, all right, it's got to be a cover yeah. of the song by the Or even Smiths. Stairway to Heaven. I mean, Stairway to Heaven, right. Nobody's nobody's writing another song called Stairway to Heaven. If they do, it'll be just such a blatant, we're really just trying to capitalize on people accidentally buying this when yeah. they now, <laughs> search for it. Now, Man on. of War of Steel did release Stairway to Valhalla, which is a completely sure. different song. Yeah. And, and homages like that, yeah. I think you can get away with. 
1994, they released Anarchy. This album showed them remaining politically uncompromising. They addressed issues of homophobia. It was a song called Homophobia, uh, as well as criminal justice and fascism. This was released on my birthday. Aww. Happy birthday. We got you, Anarchy. Yep. Uh, this album reached number 30 in the UK. Time Bomb and Enough both hit the charts. Yeah, and Time Bomb, not a cover of uh, Tim Time Bomb. <laughs> 1994, they released Show Business. This is a release consisting uh, material of the 94, the 1994 live shows. They re-released, also re-released their first two albums, Pictures of Starving Children and Nevermind on CD. In 1995, they released the album Swinging with Raymond. The first half of the album is made up of folk-flavored love songs with acoustic arrangements. Uh, The second half features faster and louder songs with horns and guitars. The album is broken into Love Side and Hate It. Oh, Love It Side and Hate It Side. (laughs) Which is uh, what what, uh, Cold Stone Creamery used to originally call their different sizes of uh, ice cream that you could get. This was about the point that I was like, okay, I think I've really figured out Alice Nutter's voice and I think I I could hear less of it. <laughs> uh, they then released an album called Portraits of Anarchists and it was released with Casey Orr's book of the same title. In 1997, they signed with EMI. There had been an EP in 1989 called F-EMI in which the band was critical of the label. So kind of funny that... Uh, yeah, a few years they, later, they get they called joined. out for it too. Later, oh, do they really? Yeah, we haven't yeah. gotten that far. Spoiler alert: 1997, they released Tub Thumper. This was the big album. The biggest hit single was the title track, and it reached number two in the UK and only number six in the US. What else and was in the featured, charts in 97? Let's think about that. Ooh, uh, well, I'll have to look it up. Yeah, let's look. Because I'm never going to pull it out of my head. What kept this out of the top spot? Well, Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind, <laughs> Hammond, came out that year. Mbop by Hans, Hansen, uh, Your Woman by White Town, How Do I Live by Leanne Rhymes, Bittersweet, Symphony. Jules, You Were Meant for Me was uh, oh, huge. That's I'll right, be 97 missing you was Leanne Rhymes and Jewel year. I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, it's also Celine Dion year, probably. Not seeing her for a while in the... Yeah, surprisingly... No, Elton John, Candle in the Wind. That was because Princess Diana passed away. He he rewrote it. Yep, Unbreak My Heart by Tony Braxton. Um, Boy, there was some not very good songs. Oh, and then you get to number 10, Wannabe by the Spice Girls, and all of a sudden, 1997 is redeemed. Aww. (laughs) Thank goodness. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, Semi-Charmed Life. Ugh. kept <laughs> Semi-Charmed Life kept tub-thumping out of the... Uh, 
out of the number one spot. Sad. Uh, it featured a sample from the film Brassed Off. I love this trivia because I've always wondered where that came from. I thought mu- I thought music mattered. I thought such and such mattered. A dozen bollocks or something like that. I love that that clip. I always thought it was. Uh, uh, it always sounded like Pete Postlewaite saying oh, it, yeah. but um, uh, oh, it does start. That is Pete Postlewaite. I looked it up. It's absolutely Pete Postlewaite. So look at that. <laughs> Ewan McGregor. I might have to. I bet I can find just that scene on YouTube and and see the the scene that they pulled that audio sample from. Let's see. In 1998, Oi Polloi band that uh, Chumbawamba toured with in the past released an anti-Chumbawamba EP called Barefaced Hypocrisy Sells Records. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Boy, I wonder uh, if this has to do with EMI too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this was the second single that reached number 10 in the UK. Later, there was a Japanese mini album that contained acoustic and country versions of past songs. It was during this time that they ran into a few controversy controversies, as uh, we mentioned earlier. They're quoted as saying that, quote, nothing can change the fact that we like it when cops get killed. Ouch, that uh, hasn't aged well. EMI pressured them to apologize about F the song F EMI. Oh, I'm sorry. No, about the cops getting yeah. killed mm-hmm. comment. But they released another statement. If you're working class, they won't protect you. When you hear about them, it's in the context of them abusing people. We don't have a party when cops die. You know we don't. That's as much as they of apologies you're going to get. In 1998, Nutter encouraged fans who could not afford to buy their music to steal it from the large chains, which promoted them to put their albums behind the counter. Kind of like later. What? Oh, what's that next to the Playboy and the Hustler? Oh, it's the Chumbawamba yeah, albums. Chumbawamba. <laughs> Uh, Later in 1998, they performed Tub Thumping at the Brit Awards and changed the lyric to New Labor sold out the Dockers just like they'll sell out the rest of us. Uh, He later poured a jug of water over UK Deputy Prime Minister John Prescott, who was in the audience. The band turned down a $1.5 million deal with Nike to use their song for the World Cup, but they did reach a deal with EA for World Cup 98. Well, they are... uh, they're all about the controversy. And you know what? They stick to their guns, which I guess, except, except for, for that EMI F- thing. Except for FEMI, kind of bent their guns in the opposite direction <laughs> for that one. Right to the foot. That's right. In 2000, they released the album Wig" or What You See Is What You Get, or W-Y-S-I-W-Y-G. General Motors paid them somewhere between $70,000 and $100,000 to use Pass It Along from this album for a Pontiac ad. This album contained a cover of the Bee Gees' New York Mining Disaster, a really sweet a cappella version featuring vocals by Alice Nutter. Uneasy Listening, a compilation of stuff from 86 to 98, and a new song was released. This was a collection of songs that they had done from, as you could probably guess from the title, 1985 to 1998. The song Passenger List for Doom Flight 1721, this contained a list of names that the band wished would disappear. So, like a list of who we wish was on this doomed flight yeah. plane crash. And their list included names like Bono, Tony Blair, and Allie McBeal. <laughs> Allie McBeal. So not necessarily Callista Flockhart, no, but Allie McBeal. Yeah. Yep. It's like that lawsuit I, I, that just got filed by that woman saying that Eminem and The Rock and uh, Disney are all trying to 
kidnapper when she was wrestling. Around 2000, they released a Shoop Shoop ballad called Tony Blair. The lyrics appeared to be to an ex-lover who had broken promises. Soon after that, they released a reworked version of the Beatles' Her Majesty with the lyrics denouncing royalty. It coincided, of course, with the Queen's Golden Jubilee. They made a documentary celebrating 20 years together called Well Done, Now Sot Off. That's great. And in 2002, they released the album Ready Maids. It features a lot of samples from folk artists. The title refers to everyday objects as art. Uh, as of the uh, getting through their library, this was my favorite of their albums that I listened to. This album met with mixed reviews and it came with a bonus track as well as a bonus DVD. In 2003, they released The Revenger's Tragedy. This was also used as the soundtrack for the 2003 adaptation of the play, The Revenger's Tragedy. They also released an album called Schlap, which was a double CD containing the entirety of Shush and Slap. I love that. Schlap. In 2004, they released UN, or UN, this mixed elements of folk, electronic, and world music. Old Thomas Edison, mixing up the medicine, messing up time from Accretion to Amazon. See them all come with the wires and boots, and their richy little thumbs saying, play a funky drum. Once again, the album addressed themes of individualism, and anti-consumerism. The Wizards of Menlo Park and On eBay were the two singles from this album. And uh, our second performer that has a song with eBay in the title that we've covered here on Soundography, the first being Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not as funny as Weird Al's version, no, no, but, not uh, at all. but also, you know, has points about uh, consumerism. Uh, 2005, A Sing Song and a Scrap. This album had even more folk influences than the last album. Listen, you, you money heist people out there, this album contains a cover of Bella Ciao, which wouldn't be used in Money Heist for several years. High recommendation for a Netflix series called Money Heist. It's, I think, Italian, but it's dubbed and it's excellent. So what was the name of the uh, album again? Uh, a Sing Song and a Scrap. Just like a Friday night at Ibbett's house. Ah, there you go. Very good. <laughs> This album had a lot of guests that appeared from other folk artists. There was a hidden track called The Untraditional, which is a song about forbidden love. There was no mention of the song to reinforce the taboo subject matter. In 2006, Get On With It, that's really more like a Saturday night at Ibbett's house, uh, was another live album that they released. Why are we still talking? <laughs> Why are we still <laughs> In 2008, they released The Boy Bands Have Won. Along with the shoes and the shirts and the ties, there's a library that's lost when an old man dies. You can't, you should never try and freeze music. And to try and maintain the song in that form, saying, 
this is exactly how titles. it was. The actual <laughs> title really contained 156 words. It was 865 characters and holds the world record for the longest album title. See, I could see you doing that on a, on a morning show quiz. Yeah. I, I'm surprised that Fiona Apple's album, the one that begins with When the Pawn, how many yeah. words is that? That's, I guess that's not as many words as the boy bands have won. Or it might not, it might be fewer characters because it's 865 characters and holds the world's longest. So it could be. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, uh, it still holds the records. I mean, that, that album of the boy bands have won and all the Coptists and the tribute bands and the TV talent show prod producers have won if we allow our culture to be shaped by mimicry whether from lack of ideas or from exaggerated respect, you should... Oh, man, that's a long title. I'm not even going to go through the whole thing. Yeah, I wonder how many... I want to look I want to look now at When the Pond and see where that sits in the list. The full title of that one... That oh, was produced by uh, Posey's uh, dude, John Bryan. No, John Hour is the Posey's. Oh, John Hour, not John Bryan. Uh, John uh, Bryan was with the Till Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, because... Hours, posies. Let's see. The album's title is a poem Apple wrote in response to unfavorable reactions from readers of an unfavorable spin magazine cover story about her. The Washington Post called it Apple's version of Chumbawamba's I Get Knocked Down But I Get Up Again. So a little <laughs> comparison there. She released this in 1999 at the time at 444 characters. It was the, it broke the world record for longest album title. But then Chumbawamba they got knocked Check down it. again. They got knocked down. They, they got, got up back again. up again. Yeah, exactly what they did. That's exactly right. I love it. Oh, too funny. All right. Let's see. The uh, This continued the band's move into socially and politically aware folk music. The themes include suicide bombings, Philip Larkin, social networking, firing squads, evolution, and the struggles of the working class. Just like the Wiggles. <laughs> same same uh, repertoire that the Wiggles cover. Uh, 2010, they released A B C D E F G. Oh man, that's my password. Now I have to change it. Ah, that's not music. Ah, that's a pickle. Ah, that's not music. Ah, this features a five-person lineup of Lou Watts, Jade Abbott, Neil Ferguson, Boff Whaley, and Phil Moody. And no Alice Nutter. I don't like the the new female vocalist that they have in this in this lineup. I prefer Alice, to wow. be honest. Diphthong dip and all, huh? Yep, I would. I seriously would 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 take it. Uh, torturing Hetfield is in response to Metallica allowing the U.S. government to use their music to torture prisoners at Guantanamo Bay. And uh, I kind of love this song. And not just kind of. You'll hear me mention a little bit later. In 2012, they announced that they would be breaking up. And on their website, they officially said, quote, We do, of course, reserve the right to reemerge as Chumbawamba, doing something else entirely, certainly not touring and putting out albums every two or three years. But frankly, that's not very likely. 30 years of being snotty, eclectic, funny, contrary, and just plain weird. What a privilege and what a good time we've had. It's, I want to put that on Coverville when I eventually stop doing the show. <laughs> <laughs> Do reserve the right to reemerge. 
Hammond, tell me about some statistics and general notes about Chumbawamba. Okay, they made appearances on a ton of compilations albums, including Music of the World Cup in 1998, the soundtrack for Stigmata, with a little help from my friends, a Beatles cover album to raise money for saving dolphins, and dropping food on the oh, and dropping food on their heads is not enough, a benefit album to raise money for an association uh, for the women of, women of Afghanistan. Uh, they've had eleven current or former members and like a rotating guest of 15 frequent guests. And then, like I said, they were mentioned in the good place because Tub Thumpers plays on a loop in the bad place. Is that like season three where they said that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Um, All right. Well, let's talk about uh, their their, uh, concert. Like if you were to see them in concert, what would be the Stairway to Heaven song? Hammond, what are our choices? (laughs) I I, I put one, and that is Tub Thumper. Because I can't uh, see any of the others getting the kind of rotation this one did. Hammond, I am amazed to tell you that uh, tub thumping is uh, number is tied for third place. What? <laughs> yeah, number one, and I'm trying to find it if it was released on an album. But there, um, the number one song is a song called "The Day the Nazi Died." And I don't see, is that on, uh, I'm trying to find what album that it was included on. I can't find it. Because uh, I don't recognize it by title. Time Bomb, uh, number two. And then uh, Tied for Third, Homophobia and Tub Thumping. And it makes me wonder if they're, um, if they feel about Tub Thumping the way that Radiohead feels about Creep. Like, oh man, it's our biggest hit, but we hate performing it and it's not representative of our music. And so we hate that our people come to concerts just to hear that song. Yeah, I, I guess so. It would be interesting, though, because if I were in the crowd and I had showed not known anything about them except for that one song, and then they mm. spite not played it, I think I yeah. would stop caring. And yeah, there's a fine line between between that, and it could just be that the the day the Nazi died and Time Bomb are older, mm-hmm. and they might not have toured as much after Tub Thumper, so it might not have been spite not playing. It could have just been they toured less, maybe. Yeah, could be. Uh, I'm trying to see, actually. That's a really good question. No, I mean, they they performed this song. Let's see. First performance was in 1993, and they performed it uh, throughout the 90s into the 2000s and in 2010, 2012. So older than Tub Thumping, but certainly not one that they stopped performing once Tub Thumping became big. Um, I imagine that, wow, even, so they were part of a tour, like a, um, in, in 2012, part of like a, uh, multi-band tour. They only performed three songs and it was Give the Anarchist a Cigarette, um, Mouthful of Shit and Bella Chow, which is their, um, their most frequent cover, actually. Hmm. Um, uh, the number nine track is Bella Chow, the number nine most, most, co- uh, most performed song on their list. Very interesting, these guys. Uh, would not have expected that. I would have thought, 
I don't like you. I would have thought tub thumping was the was the lock. Uh, speaking of covers, who would we like to hear Chumbawamba cover? And uh, I'll go first, as I always do. Uh, my pick is a song called Little Talks by Of Monsters and Men. And if you're not familiar with the song just by its title, it's definitely a song you've heard. Um, it's um, a barn burner with uh, male and female vocals going back and forth. And I feel like this would be kind of their wheelhouse song. Um, both both vocalists would have to stretch their ranges a little bit to pull it off, but going from the acoustic style of the original version uh, to the techno sound that uh, Chumbawamba had in their their later years, I think would be uh, amazing. It would come out really, really good. So you're saying they'd have to stretch their diphthong? They would have to stretch that diphthong <laughs> to fit. <laughs> Hammond, what's your pick for? What would you like to hear them cover? We covered Ryan Shoop and the Rubber Band a while back, and they have a song called The Bomb Song. And it's kind of this politically minded, thoughtful, kind of bluegrassy, kind of folky tune. Uh, it's an American, like an American version of a political song. But I think it could be translated really well by them in their kind of that folky, politically minded phase that they're, they they have been in. And I think they'd mm-hmm. do a really good job with it. Do you remember covering Ryan Shoop in that song? I remember covering, I remember talking about Ryan Shoop and the Rubber Band. I don't remember that song specifically. So I'm going to have to go back. And it's on the album it. Simplify, if you're okay. curious. But it's it's really, yeah. it's it's a song I think they could do a really good job with just of the, the subject matter and the way they kind of present it. Yeah. Uh, sounds sounds. Like it'd be great to for them to cover, especially, you know, based on the 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 subject matter and the title. So I'm gonna go back and listen to it when we're done here. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get to our playlist. This is where we each pick five or six songs that we uh, would add to their greatest hits. I guess their greatest hit is Tub Thumping. So or, or, or not according to setlist.fm, it's when the Nazi died. <laughs> right. Well, yes. Good point. Which for the um, life of me, I don't remember listening to. No, I don't either. And I want to say, I wonder if it's a song that they wrote specifically to perform live. I'm going to have to go back and find it. It's funny that uh, neither of us remember that. Uh, I'm glad. I, that I'm glad it wasn't just me. I was afraid to say it for you to go. No, it was this song and blah blah blah. But yeah. The fact no. that I don't remember it and you don't remember it makes me wonder if we had some sort of mass delusion or stroke at the same time when we're listening to. Yeah. I don't know. I'm looking to see. I see. I see people who cover who've covered the song, but I'm not seeing a release in uh, where I could listen to it on Apple Music. Okay. So, I feel better now. Yeah, we'll have to find this one. Interesting. Okay. So before we get to the playlist, can we talk about yeah. uh, how we felt oh, this week? Yes. Yeah, let's talk about uh, how this week was for us. So, so you want to go first? Kinda, yeah, well, yeah. I, I was going to say, you've kind of talked about Alice Nutter's voice and and yeah. and that kind of thing. I'm going to say that this was, I won't say it was difficult, but I'm going to say it wasn't very much fun. Mm. Okay. Uh, after so much political messaging and so much uh, kind of just beating you with uh, a message or a, a series of messages, it, mm-hmm. especially in a short period of time, it got tiring. It got old. I felt like I was, yeah. I felt mm-hmm. like I was getting beat up more, like trying to be forcefully <laughs> convinced that they're right after a while. Yeah. And uh, 
definitely some of that. Yeah. And it's like watching District 9. After a while, you're like, okay, I get the message. You don't have to hit me with a sledgehammer the entire two-hour film. <laughs> yeah, I think um, there are some bands that we've that we've determined are just not made to be listened to their entire catalog front to back that, you know, that, that for some bands it works and for other bands, it just is not the way you should hear them. And I think, I think that is the case for Chumbawamba. It just, that, I, uh, I, I, there are things I, I liked. You'll hear my playlist. There are things I actually liked. Uh, yeah. There are things I enjoyed, but in a week listening to all of it, I just wanted to say I'm sorry and have them leave me alone. <laughs> You're right. I give up. Yeah, you, that's exactly what we are as Americans. You're right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean, yeah, it, I, this is, it's not a harsh criticism. It's just my own take on... Like I've listened to brutal music and I don't have to sure. feel like I have to apologize after listening to an album, but there are times when I finished an album, like I need a break. I need a, I yeah. need a hug. I feel like once I got to ready maids and on and a sing song and a scrap, those, those three kind of were the high point for me. And um, I could go back and listen to those albums on their own, but yeah, I don't feel like I could, I'm not, I'm not racing to do a full, let's re-listen to the entire library of, yeah, I won't be loading um, their playlist into my car when I drive long distances. I, I will find something yeah. that I don't feel like is attacking me. Like, so like you need to apologize. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Uh, um, you know, a track here or there, like I said, from those three albums, I'd probably have no problem with. But uh, I think that is the case. You know, some bands, like I said, some bands are made to be listened to from start to finish. Uh, and work well in that context. Other bands are like, yeah, you really want small doses. I would, I think Midnight Oil would be a similar situation. I don't think I could do oh. a Midnight Oil start to finish. Oh, I don't, I think that would be really hard. And it's like, it, for very different reasons, it's the same thing about Primus. One or yeah. two Primus songs yeah. in an afternoon. Great. I love Primus yeah. one or two in an afternoon. You yeah. listen to all their catalog in a week, you kind of hate Primus at the end of the week. Kind of do. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good comparison. I haven't right, gone back. Get... I haven't even gone back to Primus yet. I'm still scarred. <laughs> really? Yeah. Still scarred from yeah. the uh, the front to back listening of Primus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all right. Let's get to our playlists. Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, five or six songs we would add to their greatest hits. Hit uh, uh, to kind of round out the Chumbawamba sound. I'm starting with a cover. And I'll uh, I'll tell you I really loved it. It's uh, Bank Robber. It is another acapella cover. This time a cover of the Clash from their Sing Song a Scrap album. Lying back and saying how bad your luck is. Daddy was a bank robber, but he never hurt nobody. He just loved to live that way. As soon as I heard we were doing Chumbawamba for soundography, I jumped on this song just in case uh, Hammond uh, liked it as well. I wanted to beat him to it. But very different, obviously, from the Clash version, uh, as as are their very few covers that they do, almost all of which are a cappella. now that I think about it. Interesting. Um, but I really, really enjoyed this one, Bank Robber from Sing, uh, Sing Song. Next one comes from that uh, Rebel Songs album. 
uh, the smashing of the van. At a gathering of the Irish boys, they volunteered each man to release those Irish prisoners out of the prison van. Hurrah, my lads, for freedom, let's all join heart and hand. May the Lord have mercy on the boys that helped to smash the van. In Manchester, one I love the story. I'm a big sucker for storytelling songs, and I love the story that this tells. The fact that it's based on, you know, an, uh, an actual folk song, which is written about a true story. It made me go and look up the story of the Manchester Martyrs and the actual smashing of the van. It's a very interesting uh, tale. Number three sounds like it's a cover, but it's not. It's Big Mouth Strikes Again uh, from Shish. Out, out, out. Oh my, it's a good job fusion cannot spell. If I could, you know, I'll get a lot of flack off the record company, always on my back. Well, I thank God for watching what I'm doing. Whoops, fusion, watch what you say. Remember what happened before when you try to thank God, um, try, um, him. You have to scrap your lyrics and throw them in the bin. There are uh, some really blue lyrics in this one. Uh, a little bit dirty, but uh, I really dig the vibe of the song. And really, once you start paying attention to the dirty lyrics, they're kind of funny. When we're pushing up daisies, we all look the same. In the name of the Father, maybe, but not in my name. On this Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder from Ready Maids is my next favorite one. I really like this whole album, but this song was a standout track for me. Really, really dug it. And then finally, the aforementioned Torturing James Hetfield from ABCDEF. James, 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 just give us names, names, names. James, James, James. Well, we tried every tune in the song, but to loosen his tongue. Just from seeing the title, I liked this. I liked seeing a title called Torturing James Hetfield because it felt very tongue-in-cheek. And then once you get into the story of like, oh yeah, this is because of the whole Guantanamo Bay torturing thing. But the, you know, James throughout the song maybe even kind of enjoying some of the torturing is kind of a crack up. Yeah. So I decided I'm keeping this one in my list. Well, it's funny because I guess if they're playing St. Anger, it could be torture. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. All right. Let's get to your, uh, see, there's my, all right, crutch. You heard it right there, folks. Let's get to the, uh, let's get to your set. (laughs) All right. How do you get your band on TV from pictures? This seems very raw, but it's the way the song approaches its topic. It's kind of punk and it's super effective. Like they're, they're letting it all go on this. And it, I mean, feel what you want about live aid and USA for Africa and stars and all that stuff. This song makes you think otherwise about it. And that's sometimes good. Uh, the next one I picked is heaven hell from anarchy. This almost feels like a Pet Shop Boys tune. I wish there was a lot more of that style than mm, others. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, one by one from Tub Thumper, uh, I can say with full confidence, I like the female leads more than any of the others. We talked about it a little bit. We did, yes. And and I like her voice. I didn't pick up on the crutches as much as Brian did. Maybe it's because I just yeah. found her voice to be more of a safe haven than some of the other vocal approaches. That the, yeah, the, the, the Lou Watts's uh, vocals are very in your face and kind of yelly and stuff like that. So I like, kind of what's I, his I, name? Um, hot, hot, hot guy. Um, oh, Buster Poindexter. Yeah, it's him. It's an kind American of. him. Or not a, yeah. a, a uh, non-American him. A British him. A British yes. him. <laughs> and not H-Y-M-N, but a H-I-M. <laughs> I know what you mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my next one is uh, Pass It Along from WYSIWYG. By word of mouse, save the world, don't leave the house. Pass it something to the song that I really liked. It's poppy and catchy, but it's got a lot more meat to it than I really expected. It's it's one of those songs where you catch the pop first, and then maybe on a second listen, you start listening, you're like, oh wait, they're actually trying to say something here. Mm-hmm. And then Lord Bateman's Motorbike from Boy Bands. Before they drive. Weekends runs a motorbike to Scarborough and back. He's not too many brandies from a second heart of time. John Barleycorn, he walks the land and drinks at Bateman's Inn. Every evening toast. I love these kind of storytelling songs. Brian likes them too. I feel like this has the roots. It clearly tied an Eleanor Rigby kind of storytelling song. Interesting. Okay, I got to listen to it again. It didn't, for whatever reason, that one didn't grab me, but uh, I want to give it another chance. It feels like they're, it's like they laid out Eleanor Rigby on one side and then wrote their homage to it in the same. Um, It's it's, On the other half of the sheet. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, very good. There's our uh, Chumbawamba. And thanks again to Karsten and Ina for their uh, support of the show and for, for having us uh, give Chumbawamba a listen. Uh, Hammond, who are we doing next time? We're covering one of my favorite things. I can't, I've been waiting to do this for five seasons probably. And it's <laughs> fake bands through the ages. Now, these are bands that were created for a movie or a TV show. And then they actually released stuff or they kind of ended up being taken more seriously yeah. after the fact. Uh, great examples, the Heights. Real bands. Great, uh, mm-hmm. The Heights. They had that mm-hmm. TV show. They released that one song, How Do I Talk to an Angel? How do you up, talk to an angel? Blew up the charts. And yeah. so the fake thing became real. I mean, we're covering all kinds of stuff in here. I love this. This is going to be such a fun topic because there, there are so many more than people even realize. Are we going to be? Uh, we're probably going to mention Chris Gaines in this. Uh, I I started the list, yeah. and as you see, I've got all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, you can <laughs> add to the list. I did not put Chris, Chris Gaines because I don't I don't seem to have a weird fixation on him like you do. You bring, <laughs> you bring him up like I bring up Dream Theater. Well, he's the perfect example of this, yeah. and it's it was such a bizarre. Uh, uh, a bizarre uh, thing. Yeah. 
<laughs> so you can definitely add him. I've got all okay. kinds of other, like I added Dr. Teeth and Electric Mayhem. Yeah. Like uh, there's, oh, there's going to be so many that were in question about, uh, was it a fake band or was it a real band? Like Steel Panther, are they considered a real band? I think they're a parody band. I think they're the Weird Al Yankovic of hair metal. Yeah, but they don't, they're, is there, but their stuff is done less as a joke, even though, uh, well, we'll have to talk about it. Yeah, no, because really the, good. Uh, but speaking of Steel Panther, have you heard that 1987 song they released just recently? No, uh-uh. it is freaking amazing. Really? Yes. Okay. It, it, it's it's so good, and they they nailed that eighties uh, nostalgic sound about reminiscing, and mm-hmm. it just sounds reminiscent. And then they sing about these things, and it's funny, and it's not. And oh my gosh, it's so good. They they are so good at what they do. I would right. love I would love to cover Steel Panther sometime, but I don't know It'd be how fun to put clip, them on the list. I don't know yeah. how we put clips in. Oh, really? Yeah, because I mean, Community Property is one of my favorite songs, but we can't put clips of that song in our show. Is it uh, just uh, f bombing or something? No, or? it's because they're talking about how his is community property can't be fake. Oh, <laughs> well, we just put a disclaimer at the top of that episode. I yeah. think it's hide your children. Clear. Yeah, exactly. Not safe for anything. <laughs> listen to it in your car alone and prepare for to listen to a lot right, of stuff. Right. Oh my God, that's going to be great. Can't wait. All right, that's next week on uh, Soundography. Uh, between now and then though, hey, here's how you contact us. Email us, soundographypodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're still posting there occasionally, uh, at the Soundography. Uh, our website is soundography.com. That's where you can find listings and uh, playable links of all of our shows. Every episode has show notes, which include uh, a link to our Spotify playlist for the songs that are available there, as well as links to buy the songs that you hear on the show. Um, it's it's a really great way to get a, a deeper look into the episode as you're listening to it with all those extra links. You'll also be able to support us on our Patreon, soundography.com or soundography.patreon.com. Um, we've uh, got movie shows coming up. I don't know what our next movie show is, but we've got something coming soon. Uh, if you love our show, leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps other people discover soundography. So uh, we thank you for doing that. And if you don't like our show, just email us and let us know what we, what we might be able to do better for you. If you're thinking it, chances are other people might be feeling it as well. That is going to wrap us up for the show. Hammond, anything to close us out? No, I'm good. Okay. All right. Then on behalf of Hammond Chamberlain, this is Brian Abitz saying thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Soundography. Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. <laughs>